Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. And this week we welcome to the Homebrew Pub, Alex from Charlotte. How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, doing well, doing well, happy to be here. Excellent. So um, you reached out to me. I posted on Reddit that I was looking for other homebrewers, and, and you reached out to me. Um, how long have you been homebrewing? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story, and I was I was thinking about it before I hopped on. So officially about about four years now, four and a half years since yeah. I moved down to uh, to Charlotte. But I, I had my first foray into homebrewing when I was back in, uh, in, in high school. And if you can you know, let me tell a quick story here, we... Sure. Uh, Early high school, a couple buddies and I were trying to figure out, you know, where we may be able to uh, procure some things that we weren't actually legal to uh, to purchase at that point in time. And you know, this was early days of the internet, and stumbled upon a uh, a recipe, and and our our uh, I guess entrepreneurial spirit got a hold of us, a few few milk jugs, some um, concentrated juice from the grocery store, and some bread yeast, and that turned into my uh, my, my my first foray into brewing. You know, many many years ago. Yeah. Um, but I would say officially outside of that, that somewhat catastrophe uh, about about four years ago of actually making beer. Oh, nice. And uh, so you were essentially bootlegging as a as a underage person. Yeah, it says, says a lot about me, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I I respect it. How did so you say that was a disaster? How did that beer like taste and turn out? And... Oh, it, it it wasn't even drinkable. I mean, it was it was it was awful. I mean, if you've used bread yeast to do anything other than make bread, it's it just it, it's incredibly pungent. But what was uh, what was funny, my, my buddy had had one in his, his, his closet, and for an airlock, we used a, um, a balloon with a rubber band tied around it, and they told us, you know, on this, this internet forum at the time, to, um, to release the air pressure yeah. you know, every night or so. And, of course, he didn't because, you know, that's just the type of person he is, also a home brewer now. And dumb kids. Um, and dumb kids, right? <laughs> his dad comes in the room the next morning, you know, after the, the balloon inevitably flies off the top of this thing, You've been drinking? He goes, No, actually, I haven't. He goes, It smells like a brewery in here. <laughs> well, little did he know, it's an actual brewery. In there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, what what brought you back to home brewing four years ago? Yeah, so we, uh, my wife and I, moved down to uh, the Charlotte area from Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. We we just we just had our second kid, and uh, yeah, in, in Chicago, I'd always been interested in in the. Um, 
microbrew scene. Um, so, you know, we, we lived uh, downtown around a bunch of, you know, really cool uh, brew pubs. And I, I, I just, I like different, uh, different styles of beer, some of the stuff that you really don't see everywhere. And, um, you know, that, that got me into, you know, craft brew. And then when, when we moved down to Charlotte, it, 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 I had the space finally to, uh, to try it on my own. And I've always wanted to get back into it after, after the balloon and the, the milk jugs back in high school. And I, I, I bought a, bought a bucket and borrowed my sister-in-law's crab boil pot and, uh, made, made my first beer there. And, and now I have, you know, full, uh, electric brew in a bag system two uh, two stainless fermenters, the full, full setup. In, in my in my garage I, I got uh i got bit hard and uh just went down the rabbit hole and it's been uh, a blast ever since yeah we we tell our wives that we'll do we'll brew beer to save money and i don't <laughs> i we were actually calculating how much money i'd spent on it over i've been brewing for about nine years and i had to stop because it was just like <laughs> mm-hmm, it would be cheaper if i just went to the liquor store but that brings me no joy anymore so oh i, I absolutely absolutely and and she, my, my my spouse is incredibly supportive of the hobby both because she gets to enjoy it um and, and, and partake in the um the the uh, the aftermath yeah um but she she says you know it's a hobby it's your money you can do with it as you want and i'm like that, that's perfect you know stay out of the garage <laughs> don't ask how much i'm spending <laughs> Um, so how did you find the switch going from, I'm assuming, propane to uh, electric? Yeah, I mean, I, I got sick of it and, and having to, to, to brew with the, uh, the garage door open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we live in Charlotte, so the weather is pretty, pretty nice year, year round. But, you know, I, I, I want to have that flexibility and the ability to really dial in temperatures. Um, you know, I, I work in marketing as a profession, but I, I always joke that I'm, I'm somewhere between a, a finance person and an engineer uh, yeah. in, in my in my true form. And, and and once you once you make a decent beer um, using you know, propane in a bucket, you, you start to go down the rabbit hole of you know what's the right, how could I dial dial mash temps in? How could I dial temperature control in on the cold side? And you know, one thing led to another, and and I found. Um, Unibrow, which is uh, a Canadian company, okay. um, but they they, um, they make a brew in a bag system similar to like what Spike does or um, Clawhammer Supply. Ended up buying their their system and have built onto it a little bit. So I I run two elements, um, have a recirculating mash on it that mm-hmm. um, um, just just kind of built it out so I can get more and more precise with the different uh, different beers that I'm making. That's awesome. So when you're when you're like brewing your beer and and putting your recipes together how how do you approach each beer yeah yeah no it, it, i like to drink the seasons so you know depending on kind of where we're at in the year that's that's what gets me started and it, typically there's there's some some commercial beer or style that that i like and i'll, I'll want to try to uh t- to emulate or or, or put it put a tweak on um, so mo- most recently I actually got into making, uh, making cider. So there's a, a local apple orchard, um, about, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 miles from, from our house. And I was able to get, um, some of their unfermented cider, um, brought it home and, um, it, it ended up fermenting it with champagne yeast, but dry hopping it. Okay. So giving it a little bit of a beer, beer taste to it. It turned out really well. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of like, kind of like where you, you find something, you get inspiration behind it, you do some research online, and next thing you know, you kind of have your own little recipe that, uh, that you're working with. Yeah. What, what hops did you use with a cider? I've never heard of that. Yeah. So I used uh, kind of the leftovers in my, uh, in my freezer, but it was uh, Galaxy, 
uh, Mosaic and Azaka. Oh, nice! I love Azaka. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a under underrated one. I don't under not an, oh, it's underrated, but maybe uh, not as well known. Yeah. Um, hop, but it really, especially if you're making juicies or a, any sort of a, a hop forward kind of fruit forward type uh, type beer, it's a it's a good one to have on hand. Yeah, we um, a friend of mine he made a. I, I'll put British in inverted commas because um, Azaka is definitely not a British hop. But <laughs> he made this uh, British golden ale uh, using Azaka hops, and it was one of the most delicious beers I've ever had because it has that really nice pineapple-y mm-hmm. flavor. Um, and so I'm very spoiled. I have a full nitro set up here. Oh, nice. So I ended up remaking it because I like to have all of my uh, British beers... Um, on nitro because that's the closest thing i can get to cask without installing a bear engine mm-hmm. and uh yeah that thing on nitro was just magnificent oh that sounds phenomenal yeah that that's the next uh next path i want to go down is getting a nitro set up yeah um, it's totally worth it <laughs> <laughs> good thing my wife isn't listening right now <laughs> <laughs> i mean i know when i put mine in um I think I put I spent around six hundred on like after I got the gas, got all the faucets, bought all the tubing, and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I got mine is my my wife was um, at a coffee shop one day, uh, and she's like, "Yeah, I had uh, I had nitro cold coffee," and I'm like, "Oh, that sounds good. Not my jam, mm-hmm. but cool." And she's like, "Could we do that?" And I was like, "If I had a nitro system, I could." you should get one of those so things we've put on the nitro system we've done coffee we've done tea um iced tea um but the best thing we found and we've done it with trader joe's wine um is red wine really yeah and i mean obviously red is meant to be served at room temperature but um yeah we just like buy four or five bottles of red cheap red throw it in there i've got like a two and a half gallon keg um, blasted on nitro for about a week. Uh, technically beer gas, but blasted on the nitro. And then, yeah, that is just, it elevates the wine, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> no kidding. All right, that, 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 that's noted, because we, um, I, I have family up in Iowa that we always visit every every year, and there, there's a, a large amount of cheap red wine that's consumed when we're all together. And yeah. if we can if we can somehow take what comes in a box or, or at the uh, the end cap of the cheap wine aisle, um, make it a little bit better. That's that's uh, definitely on the list. Yeah, no, it's I I totally recommend it. So have you got like uh, you got your CO two system set up and yeah, so I have a full uh, full full kind of custom keyser that I made um, with uh, there, there's four taps on it and then I have a um, um, a lagering freezer which right now is uh, commandeered for the uh, the holidays which is it's, it's turned into just a, a regular deep freeze at the moment and then uh, just a small kegerator that. Uh, I have room for two extra taps if, um, if if I have it. The uh, the downside, I guess, what I'm running into right now is uh, I, haven't, I haven't brewed in a little while. I, I, have, I need to get rid of some beer. And so uh, if, if you know anybody in the Charlotte area who, uh, <laughs> who wants to come by and steal a pint, by all means. <laughs> you know, I, I would say I have that problem, and then I don't have that problem, which is rather concerning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Although the, the annoying thing is I just brewed... Um, uh, I brewed one of my group friend group's favorite beers, and I just uh, sent him a test going, oh, I'm brewing the jelly donut. And they're like, so when are we coming to yours to drink it? So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and I've had this thing just sitting in the keg. Like, I'm drinking it right now, but I've only allowed myself maybe 
two pints of it a week. Um, <laughs> and they're all coming over Sunday, so I'm very excited that I get to drink this beer way more regularly <laughs> than I have been. Um, so if you're doing seasonal, so as, as you approach like the different seasons, like have you set up a brew schedule for yourself, or um, are you just kind of taking the inspiration from the wind? Yeah, it, more the latter, but I, I do have a, a little bit of a rolling mental list of, mm-hmm. of what, what I want to put on next. So, you know, we're getting into the, the spring seasons and I want to do a, um, uh, a Saison, um, you know, c- coming up. Uh, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of the Belgian styles, but that, that's the one that I haven't brewed yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to try that out. Um, you know, I haven't had an IPA on tap in a while. Yeah. So um, there's, a, there's a West Coast... Uh, recipe that I've been I've been fiddling with for a little bit that uh, is probably going to turn into uh, turn into a double uh, West Coast style IPA, mm-hmm. um, so that that's out there. And then I want to try brewing another uh, Meritzen for uh, we, we do an Oktoberfest every year oh, nice. uh, party uh, where we, you know the full lederhosen the whole the whole <laughs> over. I, I I import not import but I buy sausages from this company in Wisconsin that uh, um, that that imports them from uh, from Germany. So it's like all like traditional traditional Oktoberfest stuff and uh the the Meritzen I brewed last year um I had it lagering in that that lager fridge for um you know, a, a good couple of months and, and unfortunately when I tapped it like literally the day of the party which was kind of dumb on my part um it was it was not good at no all. it, it was, yeah you know, when you talk about what's one of the worst beers you've ever made that was it was that there was a an infection that led to an off flavor and I forget the name of it off the top of my head but it's the the band-aid um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know which one you're talking about. And and it, it didn't come to me for a while. I keep, keep drinking. I'm like, oh, I can power this down. And and you know, my, my wife's like, you can't serve this. You can't serve this. And I had that in a fest beer. The fest beer was perfect. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, fine. I'm gonna dump it. I dumped it and ended up having a leftover um, keg of uh, a pumpkin beer. Yeah. That that I had made. So you know, all was safe and people were happy and none the wiser. But but that was. <laughs> That, that that's one that you know get, getting into you know, I mean we're what February seventeenth so um, you're getting into March I want to do a traditional Meritzen and let it let it sit over the over the summer in the the lager fridge and see if we can right the wrong from last year. I I feel like when a lager gets infected, it is the most heartbreaking beer to get infected yes. because you're I mean I. I pressure ferment, so I mean mine when I when I do lagers, so you know mine are ready in a week, uh, and I'm totally cheating. But I've mm-hmm. done um, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, we did lagers at the same time because I had a fridge open, so we were going to do the full lagering thing, and the infection was. And I'm wondering if yours was the same thing, but it was when um, the yeast reacts badly to chloramine in the water. Mm. and they were both just undrinkable and we had been waiting for like three months to like you know taste these things we're really excited and i always do a taste before i put it in the keg just in case there is an infection try and keep it out of the keg and i I, it was one of the saddest moments of like my brewing life Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because you have the, the, the it's the time delay, right? Yeah. And and you you have uh, that's one of the things I love about brewing in general is you you, you have to wait. Like it's not, it's not instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You have to wait a period of time. And and if you really hit hit on a lager, it's it's like a, a proud papa moment. You know where yeah. where it's like this is this is my baby. This is a great beer. And then on the flip side, you wait all that time and you're super excited to have that first pint. And you're like, 
what is wrong with this thing? You know, yeah. There's something wrong. And then you just, I don't know about you, but I, I just obsess over it. Of, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, was mm-hmm. it the process? Was it, you know, some, something, you know, sanitation wise? Was it, you know, it, whatever it is, I'm like going down, you know, again, going down the rabbit hole, trying to figure out what it is so I don't have to repeat the process again. Yeah, because I mean, I've had that infection before and I was using uh, the plastic big mouth bubblers. Mm-hmm. And like you, I obsessed. And so I was like, well, are these scratched? So I ended up buying my first stainless steel fermenter. I think I'm on three now. Um, but when that infection hit again, I just couldn't figure it out. And I was talking to uh, the guys at my local homebrew shop and explained the flavor. And they were like, yeah, you should have been using Camden tablets. It was nothing to do mm. with your, in theory, because they didn't taste the infection. But it's like, that's not a cleaning and sterilizing thing. That's a water thing. That's interesting. Yeah. It makes me go back because I, I live on a, we're on a well where mm-hmm. we're at. Um, so there's no chlorine in the water, but I used, um, for those in particular, because I wanted to really dial it in, I used distilled water and then adjusted the water chemistry. It was mm-hmm. probably something at that step then where I, I, you know, did it in, you know, imperial versus in, in grams or something. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, because here in Denver we've got pretty good water, but I now just use a Camden tablet with every every batch because uh, it, it, if nothing else, it gives me peace of mind. And um, when I got my electric brewing system, uh, I was brewing and I forgot to put the tablet in, and mm. I was kicking myself because I was like, I just spent all this money on this equipment, and the beer is gonna be shit. And fortunately, it wasn't. It actually turned out to be a really good beer. It didn't have that issue, but it was like two weeks of like just fretting over like trying to. Um, it it was a, a Boston Lager, and I was like smelling from the spunding valve to see if I could pick up any <laughs> any off flavor. And it's just like, well, no, you're just getting that sulfur smell from the lager yeast. So just yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, so but no, it, it's for me, it's more of a peace of mind than anything, but. I think switching to steel um, helped me feel a lot better about my cleaning and everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it makes a, it makes a huge difference. And then it just it opens the door to temperature control, which you know again makes all the difference in the world, especially when you're doing doing loggers or even even like a West Coast IPA, yeah. where, where you want it to be um, a little little bit more chill than you know if you're you're cooking something on Kvike. Mm-hmm. Well, and because you mentioned saison, and mm-hmm. what I didn't know about saison yeast was it needs to be warmer. Mm-hmm. And I've had saison um, stall out on me, and um, again I was doing my big mouth bubbler, which is a round, uh, not big mouth bubbler, my Firmzilla uh, pressure fermenter, and I was again my my local brew shop, the Brew Hut in Aurora, Colorado, are amazing. And I'm calling them, like, freaking out over this yeast. And they're like, yeah, you've got to get the temperature up. And I ended up running a bath and just letting (laughs) it sit in the bath. And I had a tilt hydrometer in it. And I start seeing the numbers, like, and then I'm sticking it by the heater and I start seeing the numbers go down. I'm like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever had to do to keep a beer alive. (laughs) The, the, the things we go to what, what, what is it necessity brings uh, uh yeah, innovation yeah, yeah innovation yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, th- thankfully i have a um they're the they, with the the fermenters i have uh they're they're from they're from spike which is a, a, a great company yeah um they, i'm not i'm not endorsed by them at all by any stretch of the imagination i just i just really like their stuff but with their um they have a, a heating and cooling you know pack if you will but it's basically 
a um, a heating blanket that goes um, that, that's shaped like the cone side of the um, the conical. Oh, nice! And it goes it goes underneath the um, basically the the neoprene you know thing that you put put over it. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can really dial up the heat with with that you know in months where your your garage is not going to be. So I'm, I'll probably end up brewing this in the next you know month or so. And you know our temps outside will be in the 70s, roughly. Um, that's still not really hot enough, so I'll, I'll just turn on my my heater with yeah. it, and it'll it'll keep it nice and warm. Um, but yeah, if you don't have something like that, just go down the path of the Amazon, like a, a, a heat electric blanket or something, and, yeah. and tie it to an inkbird controller, and you're you're golden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I got a I got a heating pad which they use for kombucha, and just oh, yeah. tape that to the side of the of the fermenter. Now. <laughs> <laughs> As we sit here in the the mythical brew pub, uh, where every tap is a beer made by a home brewer, what beer are you adding to our tap list? There's two that I want to, so I'm gonna have to, to narrow narrow it to one. Um, you can so add two. A, I can add two. You All can right, add well, you can add two. I'll, I'll I'll let you I'll keep you to the final final judge. There's there's two that I that I really enjoy making, um, and that people tend to really like uh, that, that who come by and and and, and drink. One of them is a, I call it a Carolina pale ale, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, there, there's a, a malt house, uh, I think near Asheville, called Carolina, oh, what are they called, uh, Riverbend Malt House, mm-hmm. and they, they have a special a special malt uh, that I like to use uh, with the basis of this beer, and it's just your typical American pale ale, nothing really special to it, um, but it just has all of the, like, the, the perfect flavors, and if there was a beer that I could drink every single day and not have to change that beer ever again, it would be that beer. Oof. Um, so that, 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 that's the one. And then if I had kind of a second, second choice, if you will, I like to do, um, a kettle sour. I've, I've been getting into that more recently. Um, the, the sours and the funky beers, and, and th- this is just your basic kettle sour that's fruited. And, uh, I, I, I cheat. And rather than using, um, you know, d- your typical fruited sours, I, I, I use Costco, um, the mixed, mixed berries okay. as the, as the basis for the fruit. And then add a little bit of, um, uh, the lactose sugar in, in it, and it just turns out to be this really, really nice, not over in your in your face type of a sour, but super drinkable, super approachable. And and what I found is if people aren't like super into the the sour scene or the Brett scene or or you know the really funky stuff, this is a good uh, like gateway beer to get them down that path. Nice, those both sound amazing, and we are gonna add both of those to the tap list um and so if you go to the show notes uh alex has very kindly provided the recipes for those so um you can brew and drink along with us one question i have because i'm not a big sour guy and i've never done kettle souring and actually i don't know how to do kettle souring how do you approach that so it's a lot easier than you think um what, what, what you end up doing is you go through your your entire mash process and then once you, once you have your wort, you stop. Um, so normally you go into the boil, you, you start tossing hops in, cool it down, and, and pitch and everything. So you have you have your your wort, you cool it down to say ninety or so degrees, mm-hmm. and that's when you pitch in your um, your, your 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 sour. Um, like the bretomyces and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. W- w- whatever you want to use, um, and you know, I, I know some people use the um, the probiotic drinks. You, mm-hmm. you, can, you can use that, or you'll go to your homebrew shop, and they'll have different different types of of things you can use to uh, to, to to sour. 
and and you i really recommend if you're going to do this get a ph meter mm -hmm. um so what, what you'll do is you'll pitch it and just let it sit and make sure that the temperature stays in that kind of like 90 degree range so if you're running electric you know keep keep your element turned on and uh, if you're doing a recirc or something like that keep that turned on so that you're getting a good temperature reading on it mm -hmm. and usually let it sit overnight or so but but take regular readings of it and once you get into a range a ph range if i want to say it's like 3.1 would be like super sour and then you know call it three three eight would be not very sour yeah at all and and you know I'll, I'll put it in the recipe notes that that um that i send so you can see exactly your range but where you feel like you like it then you stop and that's where you start your boil process you heat it up to boil that kills the bugs inside oh. the bacteria that you're using um so lactobacillus um is is the, is the common one that kills your bugs so you don't have to worry about infection later on, which is obviously something that home brewers are always paranoid about, myself included. <laughs> yeah, uh, you go through your regular boil process, toss it in the fermenter, pitch your yeast as normal, uh, and then you're going to have a sour beer off of it. And with the uh, the one that I like to do, I also add in um, fruit um, mm -hmm. to it, and I, I use the the Costco uh, fruit that's frozen, the the mixed berries. But you could you could use whatever you want. Uh, the one thing I'd recommend recommend doing though is uh, freezing beforehand because that breaks down the um, the cell membranes of the fruit, so you're not going to get like jelly basically in there. Mm -hmm. um, or use I think it's pectinase is the the enzyme you can use that helps break it down as well. If you don't want to go down that path, yeah. But by freezing it, you also kill off any potential bugs that could lead to infection down the road too. So just freeze it. Yeah, um, there you go. And then it's like a pound uh, pound per gallon that you're brewing. Yeah. That thank thank you for that because as I say I always hear the term kettle sour and I'm not gonna lie I normally just nod along sagely, and I'm like I have no idea what this is. So it, 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 it is the it's the lazy man sour. It's the pr pressure fermenting lager of sour. <laughs> <laughs> That's fat. That's fat. <laughs> so um, well, thank you for adding both those to the tap list. Um, so on the flip side then and maybe you've already told us but what is like the one beer that you'll never brew again what was like the worst like i've made a huge mistake <laughs> well i mentioned it earlier it was it was definitely that Mer meriton on the on, on the beer side um my wife will tell you i, I tried my hand at making a um a hard seltzer mm -hmm. um and i and i wanted to do it the the right way versus just adding vodka to water and carbonating it um in, in, and what, what I what I didn't realize with um, with basically making a, a sugar wash uh, for for those listeners who who may partake in the dark arts of uh, essential oil distilling and, and, <laughs> and uh, water distilling, uh, pH will drop really quickly with, uh, with with just using sugar. And I, I basically killed the yeast, blew it all out, and then in my infinite wisdom, just started throwing in more and more yeast nutrients in, in, into this uh, this this batch. Long story short, it, it, it was it was way too acidic. Tasted just horrendous. Ended up dumping it because no one was drinking it, and and that that's probably my, my worst non beer of uh, of the beers. Fair enough. I remember uh, a friend of ours. She loves um, a hot seltzers, and so I was like, okay, for Christmas or her birthday, one of the two. I was like, I'm gonna make her a hot seltzer. Like that would be a nice gift for her. And um, I saw experimental brewing podcast had like a, an episode on hard seltzer so i was like all right i'm gonna listen to this and get their wisdom and uh i think it was drew who was just like so you just get your vodka and you get your water <laughs> and you put it in the keg and then you flavor it and you carb it 
that's all you need to do. That, that's sage advice. Yeah, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll just make her a cider or something. I know she likes that as well, because that just didn't feel, like, crafty enough. <laughs> like, it didn't feel heartfelt, so... Exactly, exactly. Well, you can, you can always do it super neutral, and then give her a bunch of little, um, the, the flavors that you can buy at the that's stores. That's a good that idea. That you can drop in, so yeah. she can choose her mix and match her thing. I did a similar thing with a, a blonde one, so I was trying to make a Skittle Brow from The Simpsons when mm. Homer's dreamed of Skittle a uh, beer with Skittles in it. And we ended up making a uh I would I don't wanna say blonde but a, a bland, but a very light blonde ale. And then we just bought like little fruit flavorings and so people could add those to the beer <laughs> as they liked, and that became Skittle Brow. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's almost I'll... like adding a Jolly Rancher to a Zima back in the day. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and I'll include a link to the recipe for Skittle Brow uh, in the show notes for this as well, because that probably does need to go on the tap list of the homebrew pub. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so as we as I said, we're sitting here in the mythical homebrew pub, which is going to morph into whatever your dream brew pub is. So what would be your perfect brew pub if you were to open one, and what would it be called? Oh, man. Um, so right right now, the, the name is the easy part. So I have a, um, a little mini brewery in my garage right now, and while it's not the ideal uh, ambiance, the, the name is going to stick, and it's uh, Unhinged Brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and uh, you know that, that, that's what I'll call it. I think from an ambiance standpoint, you know, I spent the bulk of my adult life um, living in downtown Chicago before I moved down here. And you know, one thing I loved about the city is that you have all of these older buildings uh, in the in the neighborhoods with exposed brick, really cool decks in the back, kind of like these hidden oases um, where you don't necessarily think of it looking at the storefront, but you have really neat um, gardens and stuff in back with really neat lighting and all that. So I, I think for for me, it's so, something between that and kind of the uh, the old industrial. Uh, feel that you get down here in the south where where I live there's a lot of old um, mill buildings that are you know three or four story bricks super high ceilings I think mixing the two of those together into some sort of a I, I, I don't know um, I'm, I'm making up my new a, a new genre here but like <laughs> old industrial slash um, city vibe uh, would, would would be my uh, my go-to nice and and why unhinged um that's a good question I, I, I don't I don't remember the actual reason why we came up with unhinged. I think we were just sitting there one night um, throw, throwing names out, and that was that was the one that uh, that that stuck. And you know, for for us, you know, my wife and I both are very kind of corporate, buttoned up people during the um, during during the working hours. But at, but at night, we like to to let our hair down and have some fun. So I think I think there's a little bit of that coming out in the uh, in the name. Beautiful. Well, and what what did you say the name of the pale ale was that you're adding to the tap list? That's, so it's real, it's real boring. It's Carolina Pale Ale. No, that's that that's perfect because that's that's my jam. And then does the sour have a name as well? Um, I don't think it does. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to come up with one. Okay, cool. Um, well that sounds absolutely awesome. So everyone, come down to Unhinged Brewing, grab a Carolina Pale Ale, or grab a sour beer, and come and relax with us in 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 this mystical homebrew pub.
want to say a huge thank you to Alex for coming on and adding not one, but two beers to our tap list. As I said, those recipes are in the show notes, so uh, please feel free to brew along with us and let us know how the beers turn out. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers. Cheers.